0: This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ.tax. So good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another one of our tax talks at Tax uh for for those who have joined us before good to see you again for those who may be new welcome of course this is being recorded and yep it'll be recorded and it will be available on multiple podcast platforms like your iTunes, SoundCloud, stuff like that as well as our website huj.tax and therefore if you don't want to appear, just keep your cameras switched off And okay, that's great, thank you. And of course, nothing we say here should be construed as advice. We're having a general conversation with general principles, consider it education, or if you want even entertainment. You shouldn't take advice from someone who has not been uh, legally engaged by yourself to provide that advice and they know your situation inside out. So we're having a general conversation. Thank you for that. For those who provided some questions and comments in advance, thank you. I have them, and I will ask them in the order in which they were received. And for those who are joining now and wish to ask some questions, you can feel free to type in the chat box below if you're joining us on Zoom, if you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, one of the other platforms like YouTube, you can just type in, in the box below, and I'll check every once in a while. So again, thank you and welcome. Uh, Allow me to introduce Professor Fabian Birnbaum. He is based in, where are you based? In Uruguay. In Uruguay, fantastic. So yes, we have the, the privilege and pleasure of having him guide us through a conversation on taxes in Latin America. Professor, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much uh, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I work, uh, I'm a tax professor. I, I'm a chartered accountant in my country. I have a master in tax law in Uruguay. And also I did an LLM at the London School of Economics. And I work mainly in Uruguay and the rest of Latin America. So the idea with the invitation of Deren is to try to 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 comment and to, to to talk about the main tax issues in Latin America so you can have a, a rough idea of what's going on here.
0: Fantastic, thank you very, very much for that. So I know it is a, a huge topic and, and it's impossible to condense it, but can you just give us like an inter, uh, an overview of what the tax landscape is like in, in
1: Latin America? Well. Ah, in first place, uh, there are many countries in Latin America and each country has different realities. So it's, but I can say there are some general uh, issues concerning the taxation of Latin America. In first place and after COVID, uh, most of the governments were uh, seeking for new alternatives to try to raise revenue in different laws that were enacted. So we have seen in the last one year, two years, different ways to uh, that governments were trying to raise those uh, taxes in order to try to spend more money to try uh, to alleviate all the uh, effects of the pandemic. So we have been seeing, uh, we have seen many uh, taxes regarding mainly to wealth taxes. So either there were adjustment changes, increasing the rate, um, different ways that there were enacted in Latin America that were seeking to raise more revenue. Also in the same moment, we have seen many uh, incentives to try to attract investments in Latin America because if uh, foreign direct investment in many of the Latin American countries, it's a key element for the economic growth. So at the same time that they were lost, that were they were trying to raise more revenue, they were lost that they were they were giving exemptions and incentives in order to attract investors. So this is not uh, a, contr- a contradiction itself. It's what's going on. So it depends. Uh, who are the, uh, some of the people that they were, uh, they were going to have more taxes and who is going to have the incentives? And also, an important issue, of course, the pandemic has and the COVID, COVID has a direct impact. And also, an important issue that, that many Latin American countries were facing uh, social and social, um, I would say democratic problems. And there were, for example, in the case of Colombia, that all the, the pl- problems started with the tax reform when uh, once the, it was announced a tax reform, because taxes in some way they are really connected to the public discussions and to the others to the all the. Um, Different ways that the government have to interact with all the all the people. So this is something that we have been
0: seeing in the last year. Gotcha. Thanks for that. So you mentioned the wealth tax. Uh, Yeah, of course that is quite contentious because uh in the us it's been discussed in some places but anyway with which countries we should be aware of that do have a wealth tax and if you can give us an indication as to what thresholds would be just generally speaking
1: well for example there were there were first in the in the last years there were amnesty programs and wealth taxes because they are really connected one with the other but for example in argentina there was a wealth tax and then there was like a they call an emergency tax. In general, the rates are quite low, one, 2%. They are not so big. But sometimes uh, current uh, uh, rates of the investments are not so high. So a rate of 2% over the wealth tax, sometimes is higher than the, the rate that they may gain in the investment, in the financial investments or etc. So for example, Colombia has, uh, Chile has, Peru also has the same problem, Argentina as I mentioned, in Brazil they were discussing that, uh, Mexico as well, so there are many countries that they were discussing this type of, of, of measures in order to try to, as, as I said before, to try, in order to try to raise more revenue to, to solve all the
0: problems of the pandemic. Okay, understood. Now, uh, going in the opposite direction, I, I know that people from the U.S. and Canada, they, they are drawn to jurisdictions where they can have uh, an opportunity to save on taxes if possible. So which jurisdictions are known for like, having a territorial tax system? where only taxes are paid on income that arises from within the country, and income that is generated outside tends to be left alone.
1: Well, I would say that the main countries that um, that has a source principle or territorial principle are in first place Uruguay, Panama, and Costa Rica. Those are the main countries that they have those uh, type of criteria. Of course, in first place, Costa Rica, for example, are, are uh, is showing the OECD two years ago. So they might change that principle. And now we, with all the discussion of the, the global tax to the multinational, this uh, principle is being discussed whether it should be modified or not. So uh, 30 years ago, all the Latin American countries had source principle. In the last 30 years, they were changed to the, the Residence principle. But the, I would say the, the only three countries are Uruguay, Panama, and Costa Rica that still remain the source principle.
0: Mm. I know uh, Panama has a reputation for being a, a tax haven. In your opinion, is it really a tax haven? And otherwise, which other countries you think uh, attractive from, from a tax perspective, like Panama?
1: Well, in, in general, I mean, there are many uh, British, Virgin Islands, those Cayman, th- those are located in within America, but I would say uh, the bigger countries, the most important countries that they were uh, named and also shamed as tax havens are Panama and Uruguay. Both countries and made all the changes in order to try not to be within that definition, but as many people will know, such definition is not uh, fixed, it, it, it changed and it's different from different countries or organizations. So, at the end of the day, both countries made lots of changes in their regulations in order to comply with all the tax, the international tax standards and also with the anti-money laundry rules. So they have the reputation of being tax havens. However, they did most of the changes in order to be compliant with the international rules.
0: Okay, that, that that's fair enough. So let's, uh, you know, I guess it's hard to talk about like Panama without mentioning the various leaks uh, of confidential data, you know, most recently the Pandora Papers. Well, what is your perspective on that? Well, uh,
1: my, this is a personal opinion. Uh, um, I mean, the problem is not information. My, my first question is how many judiciary uh, problems there were after Panama Papers? How many, I mean, how many uh, illegalities they were discovered after Panama Papers? Few. So they released millions of information in order to get few uh, judiciary problems. Uh, I believe that confidentiality and privacy, are they should be respected. So, this is a, a something that we should work together privacy and with the compliance of the of the rules with the compliance of an anti money laundering rules and tax evasion so my perspective is that this is i would say that they have a, there are many political issues behind those uh, information um there were not so many problems so at the end of the day it was just news big news but few judiciary problems that's my 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 view on this so what i hope is that they will respect the privacy of people and the confidentiality because those are rights that they should be respected but in jointly with the respect of the the international rules. So we need to find an equilibrium on, on those issues.
0: Okay, I understood. And to a large extent, it was, especially the most recent one, the Pandora Papers, they were quite sensationalist, but there was relatively a uh, few cases of actual wrongdoing or illegality. Yeah. It yeah. seems to be more uh, an issue of morality
1: you know what yes. should happen. I, I would say I, I, I totally agree. Morality and scapegoat. I mean, at yes. the end of the day, governments need to point who is the the person that, in order to to be the scapegoat. So mm-hmm. there is morality issues and scapegoat and political issues. So mm-hmm. this is a. I cannot say this is a white or black issue. So it's in the middle. It's not so
0: clear. (laughs) Understood. So, you know, uh, given the evolving tax landscape, we've seen jurisdiction is, if we stick with the Americas, like uh, you mentioned the Caribbean islands and one that's become quite an interesting case study recently has been Barbados, right? like Bermuda and some other jurisdictions, they have introduced like uh, a remote worker type of visa, something that allows someone to come into the country and have an extended stay. But most interestingly, someone can stay for a year in the first instance and work and not be subject to any taxes. Uh, It's it's a bit of a carve out. And, And I guess in Europe, there are some jurisdictions that have interesting carve-outs. So, for example, the non-habitual residents in Portugal, the Beckham in law in, in, in Spain, Dom Ireland, and the UK. Some, there's something similar in Belgium and Italy. Are, are you seeing any interesting carve-outs like that in on mainland Latin America that will make it interesting for remote workers or for entrepreneurs? Yeah. I would say
1: that the only country, I would say Panama and Uruguay. uh, and mainly Uruguay let's try to uh, Uruguay and Argentina are like Germany and Switzerland Switzerland is Uruguay and Germany is Argentina the type of relationship all the countries are big there are big difference between them but their relationship so for example in in Uruguay we we receive lots of Argentinians for many reasons economic reasons because they don't they don't uh, they don't want to stay in Argentina due to taxes, due to different political differences, and they are coming to Uruguay. So, uh, and Uruguay has, uh, I would say, big incentives to try to attract people to live here. Uh, those incentives are uh, an exemption, a tax holiday of 10 years of any offshore income that the people the person might obtain. So it's a huge, it's a huge uh, benefit. And I'm not aware that there is any uh, regime like that in, uh, in a Latin American country. I am aware that Europe, they compete on the attraction of individuals, but this is not the case of Latin America. But I would say that Uruguay is the the country that competes on that and try to attract mainly Argentinians due to the proximity between both countries to try to attract them to live in Uruguay. And that's why there are so many incentives. Ten years
0: tax holidays for those that come here. Okay, that, that is very interesting. And especially for people who are... The earlier phase or the growth phase of whatever they're doing, having that opportunity to save on taxes allows them to reinvest that into the company and perhaps accelerate their growth. So that that is quite attractive. But what about on the other side of the spectrum with retirees? I'm aware that there's some jurisdictions in Europe that make pension income uh, the they give them preferential tax treatment as an incentive to bring retirees in. Is there anything similar to that in Latin no. America? No, no, no. Uh,
1: as far as f- from the case I mentioned from Uruguay, there are no cases like that. So um, there is no such tax competition on individuals like there is in Europe, in Latin Americas. The only country I would say that, also Panama uh, gives some ta- tax incentives, but except from Uruguayans, in some case, Panama, the rest of the country, there is no that competition on the individual.
0: Okay, understood. Someone someone just asked a question. They are, um, I'm assuming they're an American citizen, yeah, they're a US citizen, and they are living in Colombia. And so the Colombian tax resident, and they are, they have a company in the U.S. that they're going to sell. And the person is asking, generally speaking, because of course we can't give advice, but generally speaking, would the sale of a foreign company by someone who's Colombian tax resident be subject to taxes in Colombia? Yeah, and also
1: there was a tax reform, there was a tax reform recently enacted in Colombia and one of the main issues was targeted on this type of transaction mm-hmm. so potentially yes i would say that and this is something that was targeted on a on a recent tax reform the tax reform has few months so mm-hmm. this is something that uh, the person should be aware of 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 analyzing any tax consequence
0: okay yeah absolutely so be subject to taxes potentially probably in, in colombia and of course, because they are a Colombian tax resident when they're doing the U.S. taxes because they're still a U.S. person as a citizen living outside, they would get a credit for taxes already paid yeah. in, in Colombia in the Form 1116, so. Yeah, that, ha- that happens a lot in, <laughs> with the U.S.
1: because the U.S. still tax uh, people that has their nationality there. Mm-hmm. and in contrast with the rest of the Latin American countries that uh, tax uh, residents. So mm-hmm. any U.S. national that lives and re- res- uh, resides in a Latin American country, probably they will need to comply with both uh, jurisdictions, with the Colombia, let's, as an example, and the U.S. And in some cases, there, are, there is no tax treaty between those countries. So, yes, this is something that we, we, we see a lot
0: okay understand understand and you know keeping on that theme of people with businesses online and particularly those who are selling physical products online i know in the eu there's it becomes a bit complex in terms of the vat regime and of course sales and use tax in the us I mean, there are 50 states, but there are like 13,000 sales and use tax jurisdictions in the U.S. What about someone who is doing some sort of e-commerce in Latin America? Uh, well, how is the landscape they're... there and how do they best
1: navigate that? Well, any person that wants to do e-commerce in Latin America, first, they need to breathe. Because there are a lot of <laughs> complexities. So, yeah. if they don't they're not breathe a lot, they yeah. cannot I mean, let's speak. uh, There are many changes on that direction in most of the countries. In first place, there is no coordinations between the Latin American countries. So each country Mm. has their own uh, rules. Mm. For example, we we have been seeing changes right now in Mexico. There were changes in Uruguay, Argentina, in Chile, in Peru as well. In Colombia, there were changes and mm-hmm. all those changes were completely different. In some cases, it is widely used the the white holding agent. So mainly the, the credit cards need to white hold a specific amount, and they will pay on behalf of the e-commerce company. This is something that could be seen in both taxes, income tax and VAT. Mm-hmm. So, there are changes depending on if it is a B2B business, a B2C business, if it's a digital business, if it, there is, um, if it's an Uber business, I mean, I refer to Uber to one, those who connects uh, to people or to businesses. In I, 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 As far as I know, there are some jurisdictions, like for example, in some cases in Argentina and also in Uruguay that the, the e-commerce needs to Register on the tax authority and do the tax returns itself. Mm-hmm. So there were many changes on that. There is no uh, coordination on those uh, rules, and mm-hmm. each country has its own their own, uh, mm-hmm. and their, their own rules. And there, mm-hmm. of course, there are lots of gray areas because all these rules are quite new. There, there are few. Uh, uh, background, uh, doctrine, and judiciary
0: judgments. Mm. Understood. Understood. And so, so yeah. So, in each jurisdiction, one would need to register and plan for not just direct taxes but the, the sales taxes or the indirect taxes as well. They have to navigate jurisdiction by jurisdiction. What about digital products or oh, someone who's offering SaaS, like software as a service? I know it's becoming, at first you were fly under the radar, but now increasingly it's being taxed. How is it in Latin America? Well, the same happens.
1: I mean, some of the uh, like software might, in some cases it was, tax before all the digital taxation that was enacted in the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. In most of the cases, it is a, a taxed through whiteholding, either the business company that uh, pays this, the software or the uh, credit card that, so it depends mainly of the type of business. If it's a B2B business, probably the, the local business will need to whitehold the tax. And if mm-hmm. it's a B2C, the problem is how uh, how the foreign company could comply and in some cases it was uh, exempted. And in other cases, it was uh, mandatory to the foreign company to register in the local authority. And in some other cases, the banks or the the credit cards were appointed as white holding agents. So the, there were many, May, many different situations, depending on of each countries.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting. And, and what about uh, services? Like if you are, for example, a tax consultant and you, you're serving clients who are based in those jurisdictions, are there any tax implications in Latin America? Yeah, in,
1: in most of the cases, there are uh, we're holding taxes on technical services. This is quite common to see on the different countries. Of course, uh, I assume that there are also PE rules uh, that might be triggered, depending if the person goes to the other country and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: lives there, in general, it is more than six months. But there are, uh, I would say, most of the countries, they have uh, while holding taxes on technical services. Mm -hmm. And those uh, rates can vary from 15 to 30, 35 percent. Right. So, just to be clear, even if
0: the service provided does not have PE in Colombia, it would. So, the the client will still need to withhold and remit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That, that that is that is pretty aggressive. Wow. I yeah. Understand. Understand. Okay. Yeah. I would say that so, most of the Latin
1: American countries have, um, withholding taxes on that. Hmm.
0: Okay. And what about, generally speaking, like uh, digital service taxes, like a Netflix tax, same principle? Well, those taxes
1: were enacted in the last two, three years. But I would say that right now, I would say, let's say Netflix is widely taxed in Latin America. Mm. In both BAT and um,
0: income tax. Right. Okay. Okay. And, and so, you know, it's, it's being rolled out. So digital services taxes, they're being rolled out. So just a matter of time before everyone is on board with it, basically. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So what about incentive to foreign companies? Uh, there are jurisdictions, for example, uh, like, like Singapore, where, where I'm based... I've been based since 2013. If you have a startup, uh, you get certain tax breaks, and depending on how many locals you hire, you may get incentives on some, maybe even access to government funding. Are there any governments or jurisdictions in Latin America that offer that? Well,
1: there are some that are famous for that. I would say the most famous are uh, Colombia and Uruguay for giving <laughs> tax incentives. They both uh, countries have uh, free trade zones that are really important in order to setting up companies and export uh, to the rest of the world. But most of the countries, they have different, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that they have wide incentives. They have specific incentives on certain industries on type of services, let's say software or certain time. For example, and right now there is a um, Mexico enacted, uh, approved a new tax reform and there were certain uh, rules in order to try to promote this type of uh, investments. Most mm-hmm. of the country have and also be aware that there are some countries like Brazil or Argentina that they have state law taxes. So each state has their own tax and their own incentives. So it's not the same. Let's say in, in Argentina, it's not the same to set up a company or something in Buenos Aires, or mm-hmm. in Tierra El Fuego, which is in the south. So this mm-hmm. might differ. So, so the possibilities are quite big because you have differences on each country at the uh, federal level, to say in mm-hmm. uh, U.S. way, and mm-hmm. also different state law
0: taxes in some cases. Okay, that's interesting. So it you know it seems as if. Uh, both Uruguay and, and obviously Panama are standouts when it comes to, you know, just in terms of tax efficiency. But what about ease of doing business, like uh, the ease of incorporating a company and dealing with government agencies? Would it be those two jurisdictions that stand out as well? Mm, no,
1: I would say that the first one is Chile. Chile. And let's remind that Chile is at the OECD, So in right. general, they lead those uh, rankings.
0: Mm. Okay. So in terms of ease of doing business, it'd be Chile, but it, it won't be as tax efficient as, uh, say, Uruguay or Panama. Is that a fair statement? Yeah,
1: but this is the, there is a, an economic explanation to that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uruguay and Panama are small countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they need to give tax incentives in order to attract mm-hmm. uh, the big investments. That's the,
0: the main explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I understand that the the tech ecosystem in 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 Chile is quite developed as well. There's yeah. there's a lot of you know in terms of uh, not just startup activity, but in terms of funding, um, VCs are quite active and and so on. Yeah. Fair statement. Yeah, I mean, Chile has many treaty
1: agreements, tax agreements with many uh, countries in the world that are used to to. To trade with many countries, so I will say that they are the most developed country in that way in, in Latin America.
0: Mm, gotcha. Uh, and and then on the flip side will be a jurisdiction like Brazil. I understand it is quite complex. Yeah, uh, but, but you know, both both neck and neck. Uh, because I've heard people comment that the tax code in Brazil it's probably even more complex in the US. So you think that they're both. Brazil and Argentina. are same. Yeah, I, I would
1: say that both are both have a federal taxes and state taxes, so you have <laughs> th- that complexity, and uh, I would say that they are the most complex countries in terms of taxes.
0: Okay, understood. Understood. And what what are your thoughts on pillar two?
1: Well, yeah, yeah I mean. In first place, I don't most of the Latin American countries, yeah, they agreed on that, but mm-hmm. they agreed because they didn't have other alternative. Mm-hmm. So they were invited or obliged to go to that particular truth. I believe that if they want to change, I'm quite a, a skeptic on the on the tax cooperation between countries. I do believe that countries compete between them, and this has been the rule in the last 50 years. So, um, I don't know if this this might work or not, but this is quite uh, difficult for uh, Latin American countries because they do uh, uh, rely on tax incentives, they do rely on on giving incentives to, to, on, on foreign direct investment. They rely on the country where the, the, the exports and not the country that consumes the business. So th- there is a change of criteria mm-hmm. how to tax. So, I mean, I believe that there are many challenges to the Latin American countries and they need, they are most obliged to, to join the OECD agreement because they don't have other alternative but mm-hmm. their their needs and their uh, requests etc are not taken into consideration this mm-hmm. change was led by the uh, most developed countries and they mm-hmm. are they are seeking for uh, taxing some more revenue i'm not saying if this is good or bad i'm just saying why this was uh, agreed mm-hmm. so in the, all this agreement Uh, developing countries, like most of the Latin American countries are not taken into consideration. So probably Mm there might be some big challenges on all the Latin American countries on how to be part of pillar one or two and Mm -hmm. this new tax uh, world.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, understood. And and, you know, I'm just kind of stepping back. There's a perspective that in terms of you know the whole offshore world, it's it evolves, which which is what one expects, Nothing stays the same, but uh, it's you know it's even jurisdictions that are popular like the BVI and the Cayman, they're being used less than they have been historically, as um, I guess offshore is evolving into like more near So like, for example, there are certain states within the US or even states like, uh, or jurisdictions like Singapore, where it's not exactly tax free, it's taxed. But, you know, so there's a shift away from, you know, like the the Panamas and and the Cayman Islands. That's a perspective. What what are your thoughts on the whole offshore world? Do you see it evolving or do you see like the the Panamas having a uh, strong future ahead? Also, let's take the example of BBI or
1: Cayman. They were enacting many laws in the last years. They yes. were evolving. Right. And probably they will need to evolve more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they'd be to try to, as all the Latin American countries, they will be to be more aligned with international regulations.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I understand they, they, they will exist and they will be used as an offshore entity, but mm-hmm. they will need to uh, change their laws mm-hmm. uh, in line with all the changes in the international tax arena.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, which, which, you know, I guess, okay. So for Latin America or like, okay, like in Asia, if you're in like Hong Kong or Labuan in Malaysia, they were, to a large extent, the offshore jurisdiction of choice for let's say businesses or uh, persons in China, and similarly, if you know, like like Panama or certain Caribbean islands, they may be more in tune with the offshore needs of the United States and Canada, right? So, with uh, what what I'm thinking and what I'm asking you is whether, given the rising popularity of like South Dakota and Wyoming and certain, you know, the structures that are available within the U.S., does that come at the expense of Latin America, at least in terms of the offshore world?
1: This might happen, probably. I mean, most of the offshore world also is a, is located in the OECD countries. Yes. So, at the end of the day, it's a matter of economic and tax competition. Mm-hmm. I do not believe that there... Also, the OECD it's not uh, they don't they do not cover all the world, mm-hmm. and they don't have global um, perspective. They have certain mm-hmm. perspective of some countries, and those countries they they are uh, seeking for their own interests. They protect their own national interests. So I believe that the, we will see more tax competition. It will change the tax competition. It will change the the all the landscape and, and and context of the international tax arena but there will be mm-hmm. tax competition because countries want to attract investments on on their own country and they and they don't they don't, are, they don't look for global interest this is my view on this and i'm sure this will happen mm-hmm.
0: okay and what about the opposite uh, because my understanding is that some Latin American countries themselves have a blacklist, yes, right? So more, it's not just the OEC. Yeah.
1: Well, in some cases they have blacklist, like yeah. the name, the countries that there are blacklisted. And in some cases they have criteria to say if one country is regarded as tax haven. Mm-hmm. But you might see uh, rules on that. and for example, tax havens for certain countries might be subject to a higher white holding tax or they will Mm -hmm. be subject to transfer pricing rules, et cetera. But but these rules, I will say that they were enacted after uh, 2008, after I will say the, the, the crisis of the transparency. After 2008, all the world moved towards transparency. And after that, many Latin American countries uh, issue lists or criteria to consider certain jurisdictions as tax havens and there were some kind of sanctions on, on those jurisdictions
0: mm-hmm. and they, okay. they are all still in force. Right and, and like different Latin American countries have different countries yeah. on their own blacklist but like is there any, any common jurisdictions that will be popping up on Brazil and Argentina and Cl- okay now everyone is doing their own Oklahoma. thing. Mm-hmm. and
1: they were they were uh, modified all those
0: all mm-hmm. jurisdictions.
1: Panama, in some cases, they, it was regarded as attack seven for many countries, but then it changes, and in some cases, it's not the country; it's certain types of regime of certain mm-hmm. countries. So right. It's, it's quite complex to, to 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 state which are the tax claims for the Latin American perspective.
0: Okay, understood. And do most jurisdictions have CFC rules? Control foreign yes. court rules? Yeah, yeah. they have. They do have. Mm-hmm. Is there any jurisdiction that stands out as being more aggressive than others? In terms well, of their the CFC best- rules? It yeah. depends,
1: but they they, ha, they have I would say that Argentina was one of more, um, one of the countries that was uh, targeting this type of of rules and targeting mm-hmm. wealthy individuals. I would say mm-hmm. that that this is the country that enact more rules in order yeah. and anti-avoidance rules. Also, Mexico right now in mm-hmm. order to try to tackle tax evasion in in the wealthy individuals.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there like a movement towards like uh, public registries, uh, like where you can just go online and see? Well, who are the shareholders in this company? Who are the UBOs, no, and no. beneficial
1: owners? Now, mm-hmm. not right now. There is more public information, but not regarding shareholders. Mm-hmm. Most of the shareholders need to be uh, uh, communicate to certain uh, entities, but that
0: information is private. Okay, understood. And what about asset protection? Like, obviously, in our common law jurisdictions, you know, a trust is quite uh, an effective and commonly used uh, tool. Uh, Are foundations popular in terms of asset protection? There
1: are most of the foundation, for example, in Panama, are quite popular. It changes all, all over the. It depends on each country how they tax them and how they. Consider the the foundations in Panama, or for example, the trust in in the U.S. Or,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or there were quite famous the, the trust in New Zealand, for mm. example. Uh, but right now, I would say that the U.S. because uh, it's with a uh, it's outside the scope of the CR- CRS rules. So probably, mm-hmm. and since the trustee needs to inform. Uh, many trusts move towards the US and there they use
0: Delaware, Wyoming, those states. Mm. That's interesting. So, um, so I have some clients in, most of my clients in common law jurisdictions, but I do have a few in civil law jurisdictions like Indonesia or France, and their perspective in, in, in those jurisdictions, they more or less see through. The, the trust arrangement and in Indonesia as if they just don't recognize it at all. But you're saying that, generally speaking, of course, in Latin America, they even though they won't recognize a trust within their borders, aside from, let's say, Panama, if, if, if a, a tax resident does have a trust in another jurisdiction, it won't be treated as transparent. There aren't any... Well, for, let's say, for example, the
1: case of if the U.S., of, of Argentina sorry yeah. uh, it depends of, of the type of trust mm-hmm. and, uh, and the regulation of the trust mm-hmm. but in some cases yes it was appointed the settler if there was no current beneficiary to be the tax uh, of, uh, agent or guide to, to pay the taxes. And there, for example, in Argentina, there were many changes on that on trying to, because it was widely used, the trust in order to to protect the assets and to defer the taxation. So there were rules trying to uh, tax the settler instead of the beneficiary. So there are countries, and there were many uh, changes on that direction, trying to to tax the settler instead of the Mm -hmm. beneficiary. Okay,
0: right. So, so, in other words, that body of tax law isn't very well developed yet, generally speaking. The, it's, it's evolving to be mm-hmm. more aggressive when it comes and, to trust? Yeah,
1: it's evolving mm-hmm. jointly with the wealth tax taxes. Because right. before the importance of the wealth taxes, those anti-measures, anti-avoidance measures, they were not so important. Mm -hmm. Once there was an amnesty program, once there was wealth tax in Latin American countries, Mm -hmm. these type of measures, they were taking more uh, relevance and that's why there were many uh, changes on that direction. In general, trying to tax the settler instead of waiting for
0: the beneficiary to have the assets. Mm -hmm. Another trend that we see in... uh... Common law jurisdictions outside of the U.S. So I'm thinking of like Canada, the U.K., Australia, New Zealand. There are, there's, I mean, traditionally like tax residence was defined in terms of like a day's test, right, 183 days or, you know, but now there, there's a, a move towards like center of life tests. And even when someone can be outside of Canada or Australia for maybe one, two, three years, you know, they're just moving around or whatever, there are certain conditions where some fallback rules would apply and they're still deemed to be tax residents of Canada or Australia, even though they're physically not there. Because of certain situations, like they may not be tax resident somewhere else, they they're not a bona fide resident of another jurisdiction. They're just kind of moving around. So therefore, some fallback rules apply. Is that? Is, is, do you see any similar trends in Latin America? Not, not in
1: all the Latin American countries, because in first right. place, most of the countries do not compete on mm-hmm. the attracting individuals. So right. these type of yeah. measures are not so relevant. Right. But right. In Argentina, for example, that uh, there are many Argentinians uh, living to Uruguay, there were some measures like that. So, because again, taking the the Uruguayan residence was quite straightforward, mm-hmm. but uh, but trying to to be out of the uh, or not to be a tax resident in Argentina was quite difficult. So mm-hmm. they, there were many measures. On, and rules regarding in Argentina regarding this. So for example, if you have your social security in Argentina or your medical expenses there, mm-hmm. it was difficult to, to live as a,
0: as a fiscal resident there. Okay, understood, understood. And last but not least, what about crypto? Like generally speaking, how is crypto viewed uh, across Latin America? Nobody knows. <laughs> that's the truth yeah there are
1: i would say that there are starting to be some administrative rulings Mm -hmm. but still there is no uh, regulation on that Mm -hmm. it's i i think it is starting to be on the focus but there is no good regulation on that Mm -hmm. it is quite difficult to assess what is uh a cryptocurrency, if it's a currency, if it's an asset, etc., how it should be taxed, the mm. sale, the gain, etc. So it is not uh, so widely regulated in Latin America yet.
0: Mm. So for the most part it will be treated like property then?
1: In general, they, uh, what they have seen is that it is considered
0: as an intangible asset instead of a right. currency. Right. Okay. Uh but I understand that there are maybe certain jurisdictions in Central America that are embracing digital currencies. El
1: Salvador mainly.
0: El Salvador, yeah. Okay. El Salvador. I, I think it's the only one. But yeah. That's the only one. So if I were, you know, like really big into crypto, uh and I wanted to move to Latin America, i probably want to stick to Uruguay and Panama, is that fair?
1: Yeah, it could
0: be in order to
1: try to protect from the source principle, it mm-hmm. might protect all your cryptocurrency gain, mm-hmm. but still, this
0: is just starting. Right, right. And you, do you see a trend? I mean, is it just in Salvador or do you see other uh, governments considering moving towards that uh, what's CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies? No, I don't think so. I mm-hmm.
1: mean, many countries uh, rely on the monetary measures
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: in order to to, to try to, to get the benefits or to try to reach certain uh, incentives in, in the, the country. So I do not believe they will rely on a uh, decentralized currency. So mm-hmm.
0: that is my opinion in the short term. Okay, Understood. understand, all right, that, that, that's great, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm, let me just have a look on the other platforms like Facebook and see if anybody has any questions there, uh, nope, there's nothing there, any questions on LinkedIn, nope, I don't see any, so yeah, you know, Thank you for sharing some of your, your insights on what is a quick but comprehensive overview of the, the Latin American landscape. I know there's some, you know, I, I've seen some of your questions and and comments uh, like Aaron, and I think it'll be, you know, as as I mentioned, you probably want to seek an advisor who's both U.S. and uh, in your case Colombia qualified definitely you, you're correct if you're a US person and I, I think uh, Professor mentioned that as well once you're a US person whether it be a green card holder or US citizen no matter how long you spend outside uh, in whatever Latin American country you're in you will be subject to taxes by both yeah. the jurisdiction in which you reside and the US so yeah, both. you need to be doing returns for both as to what who gets first bite of the cherry? Well, it depends on the source of the income, uh, as well as maybe there's a treaty in play and, and the structure uh, that by which you, you hold the asset or enjoy the, the flow of income or capital gains or whatever it may be. So it really depends. And you probably need to sit with a team that understands international tax to take a deeper dive in yeah. into situations like that but uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you professor what's the best way to find you what are your online uh credentials where do they find you well
1: i think that you post your my linkedin you can mm-hmm. contact me there or, okay. or you can con- contact through my email that it's fb at fbm dot tax so i will be pleased to receive any email from right well, and well, is
0: so, to to contact me. so fbm.tax is that your domain is that your entity yeah. okay yeah. so fbm.tax so anyone wants to reach out to professor he's available you can reach him on linkedin he just gave his email address and you can get him at fbm.tax as well thank you very much professor and thank you for those who have been joining us on the various platforms and do have a look at HG. Tax because we do this every week. Professor, thank you very much for your time and we'll see you and we'll see you, uh, next time. Bye bye. Thank you for the invitation. Bye
1: to everyone.
2: Okay. Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on US Expat Texas and International Entrepreneur Texas at ww.htj.tex. Number two Stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tex Number 3. Contact us for tax optimization consult offer Zoom. Number 4. High net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.txt. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.